Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just want to agree together for breakthrough. Father, we want to believe with each and every individual that their eyes are on you, faithful God. Lord, even this week, in this past week, great expectation. This week coming, great expectation. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful and that you're coming through for us. Lord, as we turn our hearts to your word right now, we want to thank you that indeed your word is life to us. We just invite your Holy Spirit to just minister to every heart here today. We open our hearts to receive your word, Lord. Thank you that your word goes forth in such power and your word really brings transformation to us. And we're ready for that. We're hungry for that today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Come on, let's celebrate in advance the breakthrough that's coming, the word that is about to be imparted. We're going to go to the 20th chapter of the book of Acts today. We're going to read verses 17 through 21 from the expanded Bible. Let's read together, please, these few verses. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. Let's read that again together. Now from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. When they came to him, he said, You know about my life from the first day I came to Asia. You know the way I lived all the time I was with you. Some Jewish opponents made plans, plotted against me, which troubled me very much, severely tested, tried me. But you know, I always serve the Lord unselfishly with humility, and I often cried in sorrowful times with tears. You know, I preached to you and did not hold back anything that would help you. You know that I taught you in public and in your homes from house to house. I warned, witnessed, testified to both Jews and Greeks to change their lives and to turn to God, repent, and believe in our Lord Jesus. Wow. Take your seats, everybody. In these few passages that we've just read together, tremendous insights were given, actually several insights as to why Paul the Apostle was so mightily used of God in spreading the gospel and planting churches throughout the entire known world in the first century. From these passages, we just glean several insights. First, we see a man totally devoted to Jesus. If you're a leader here today, I want to just invite you to just listen carefully because this is the ultimate right here other than Jesus Christ. This is tremendous, tremendous leadership um, principles, but more than principles, it's a, it's a life. It's a life that we're, we're looking into that's so amazing. A man totally devoted to Jesus. 
he labored. Paul labored in season and out of season. This man was tireless as well as fearless. He was undaunted, unmoved by difficulties. He would not be subdued. He would not be overcome. For this man, there was no cost too great to pay. Whatever was required to reach another village, to reach another people, or another individual, Paul the Apostle would, apostle would pay that price. He was marked by true humility. And his ministry, it sprang forth from the deep dealings of God within his soul. Paul was an unselfish laborer. He would rather give than receive. And whether he lived or whether he died, that was not of importance to him. The one thing that mattered, one thing that mattered to this man was that he carried out God's will. That was the number one priority of his life, carrying out God's will and that men should change their lives by turning to God in repentance, believing in Jesus Christ. This is what drove this man. All of these things is what drove this man, motivated him. He said to the elders in verse 20 of Acts 20, you know that I preach to you and I did not hold back anything that would help you. I did not hold back anything that would help you. You know that I taught you in public and in your homes, house to house. Now here's another key to the amazing impact that Paul made in his obedience to God's call. The method that he employed. You know I held nothing back that would help you, I taught you in public and in your homes, house to house. This method that he employed was the exact one that was modeled by the first church in Jerusalem. Paul's method of ministry was that he would go into a city or into a place, into a region, and he would minister publicly large group expressions, the temple setting as it were, which we read about in Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. It wasn't so much a temple for Paul the Apostle, it was just public places he would go into. But the point is the large group expression, Acts 2.46, and then again in Acts chapter 5 and verse 42, and house to house the small group expression, the cell. This was the method that Paul the Apostle employed as he went throughout the entire known world in reaching the world for Jesus. 
of the many places that this man traveled during his three missionary journeys, the city of Ephesus is where he spent the most time, the longest amount of time. He stayed in Ephesus three years. And while he was there, he told these elders of Ephesus, he said, I held back nothing that would be for your spiritual welfare. I utilized every opportunity to build the church publicly and in homes. As I studied this, I, I learned or relearned that a number of Bible historians put forth that in all likelihood, these elders that Paul called to him from, from Ephesus when he landed in Miletus, these elders that he called were the leaders of the Ephesian church that gathered in homes. Now, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and he really wants to be in Jerusalem by the day of Pentecost. And the vessel on which he's traveling comes to a place called Miletus, around Turkey, somewhere there in modern day. And they offload this ship of its cargo. They spent three days in Miletus. And Miletus is about 45 kilometers or so from Ephesus, this bustling huge city of Ephesus. And Paul sent word, probably a runner through the night, went to give word to these Ephesian elders to come and meet Paul. Paul was so intent and so desirous to get to Jerusalem that he didn't want to take the time to go into Ephesus because of the three years that he spent in Ephesus. He had many, there were many, many people he would want to see and, and he, he really needed to and wanted to get to Jerusalem. So he asked the elders to come and they, they journeyed and they came and they met with him. And historians say that in all likelihood, these were the pastors, these were the leaders, these were the, the, the people overseeing the Ephesian church that gathered in homes. Now today, when most people think of the word church, they envision church buildings. They envision church meetings. And indeed, being able to gather in a building, in a large group, as we are here today in second service, to be able to come into the temple setting, to come together as a large group where we're seated forward and we, we, we're, we're receiving and we're being equipped and we're, we're receiving impartation, having just spent an amazing time in praise and worship and in giving and hearing about all the things that's happening and going on. It's, it's awesome. It's wonderful. It's such a privilege. It's such a blessing to have a place that we can gather as a large group. We love our tent. Well, three of us do. Come on, we're so grateful to God. You know, for many years, we just rented facilities, and we were kind of from pillar to post. I don't know, some of you, I think, will remember those days. And there were times when we would show up, and 
the place would be locked or it would be in a mess. And, and, and we had to just sort ourselves. And, and uh, there were other times where the venue would have been overbooked and, and we couldn't even have it that day. Oh, we went through some things, but God. Come on, let's appreciate God for providing us with this place. God is so good. And it's really a privilege. It's really a blessing to be together. But in New Testament times, the early Christians, they met primarily in the homes of individual members. In fact, if you go through the book of Acts and you begin to read from chapter 3 right through until chapter 28, there are 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And if you read from Acts 3 to Acts 28, listen up. Every mention of a local church, every mention from Acts 3 to Acts 28, every mention of a local church or a church meeting, you will read these words. The church gathered together in the home of, for prayer. The church gathered together. Greet the church in the home of. You read all through Acts from chapter 3 to chapter 28. Whether that church was meeting for worship or for prayer or for fellowship, it refers to the church coming together in a home. In a home. And this took place for nearly 300 years until the 4th century. From the, from the time the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost up until the 4th century, the church gathered in homes. It's only when Constantine, Constantine changed it all by building, he began building the first basilicas throughout the Roman Empire. Prior to Constantine, for the first 300 years of the church, the church gathered in homes. Men and women set ablaze with the Spirit of God, spread the good news, as well as shared their lives together right where the people lived, house to house. That's the heritage upon which the church of Jesus Christ is founded. Today we continue our series, Renewing Our Cell Life, Renewing our small group life. Everybody should be part of a small group. It's just awesome. Together we've been focusing on this question, why cells? Why cells? And we're answering it, this question, why, why cells? Because cells are the basic building blocks of the body. A cell is the basic unit of life. And we've learned, we've relearned this. I was studying and, 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 and reading this week, and I, I was reading about or reviewing how the, just the palm of your hand, if you look at the palm of your hand, just within the palm of your hand, there are millions of skin cells, millions, just in the palm of your hand. 
It's phenomenal. So the cell is the, the building block of the body. And this is true both naturally and spiritually. And we're taking the word cell, the, the word cell, C-E-L-L, to help us renew ourselves in this way of doing church life. We're taking each letter of the word cell and we're looking at it carefully. And the end result of cell life being community. The end result of cell life being community. And I want to take a minute or two and review and share a couple of even new thoughts where community is concerned because this is so important. Every individual has a community. We have a community, every one of us of some sort. Now, community is a coming together of others. You can't have community by yourself. Community is a coming together with others to intentionally pursue growing into Christ-likeness. When we speak of community here in this place together, we're talking about this right here. Coming together with others to intentionally pursue growing into Christ-likeness. There's a purpose for our coming together. There's a reason why we come together. The end result of cell life is that we're growing more like Christ. That's the end goal. That's the end result. The purpose of community, of community being developed is is to give us an an environment to intentionally pursue. We don't come together for tea and biscuits. That's not our primary purpose. It's nice if they're available. We don't have to have them for community. We don't come together to have a meeting. You listen, listen to me, please. The last thing that most of us need is another meeting. We're meetinged out. We have meetings all the time. Community is what we need. Community is how people connect. We're talking connection here. Connection. You can't connect with everybody that you meet, but there are certain people that you connect with. And that connection is valuable. That connection is a blessing. You can't have community sitting in a, in a seat facing forward. At some point, you're going to have to, in your seat, turn to the person beside you, and then the person in front will turn around, and there's about three of you, and you start connecting. That's That's laying the foundation for community. Now, this setting is very important, and I'm glad you're here because you're receiving and you're hearing and you're understanding. But what we do is we take what we're receiving and we go out during the week and we have a small group that we connect with. We come together with others. And that's where now this this sense of belonging. Community creates a sense of belonging. It's a place of authenticity. 
It's a place of being real. It's a place where people know you and accept you in spite of your flaws and your imperfections because all of us have them. And so community is, is, is knowing that you are part of something bigger than yourself. And it's so important in our lives. It's so important that every one of us have a place where we know we belong. It's like family. It's like family. It's so awesome. E is for enabling. E is for enabling. The word enable means to make someone or something able to do or to be. Give means, practical, make it easy. To make someone or something able to do or to be, to give means, practical or easy. The cell or the small group is where we learn to apply all the truths and principles that we are taught in the equipping setting, in the large group gathering. It's the place where we are made to be, to be, and to do. Cell life is where we are enabled to develop, to develop as an individual and in the group. Now, there's something you need to understand. It's easy to be perfect alone. It's easy to be perfect when you're all by yourself. Everything is perfect. It's so easy to be perfect when you're alone. But the truth of the matter is, we see ourselves most accurately as we relate with others. It's in that connection. It's in that relationship that we, we really thought we had it all together. We really thought we had it all together until we begin to rub shoulders with someone else or two or three others. And we begin to realize, you know, there's some areas in my life. You know, I, I've got some impatience. Uh, I, 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 you know, there's just areas in me that <laughs> I just need. I'm not perfect. Now today, Acts 2.46. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and we're going to look at the third letter of cell. Day after day, they met in the temple, in the temple area, continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. They were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts, praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the law of first appearance in Bible study. This is, this is the first time we see house to house. This is the first appearance of this phrase, house to house. But there's something I want you to notice in these scriptures that are so amazing. I want you to notice the word joy and the words generous hearts. Notice these words, praising God continually. What does this sound like to you? Having favor with all the people. What does this sound like? And the Lord kept adding to their number daily 
those who were being saved, those whose lives were being transformed, those whose lives were being turned around. And the moment they got saved, they came into a group. They came and connected into a house where there were people full of joy, full of generosity, her hearts so open, their hearts so open, their hearts so blessed. They're praising God. They're praising God. One word best describes what we just read, and it represents the third letter of the word cell, and that's the word life. Life. When we, God's people, come together, we should anticipate and we should expect the Lord to move among us just as we sang. I need a move. When we come together as the Lord's people, we should expect, anticipate, and expect the Lord to move among us. We should anticipate His healing presence, which we also touched about or sang about. We should, we should expect His healing presence touching each one of our lives. When we come together, we should anticipate His Word. His Word that is full of life brings order to our lives and brings assurance to our hearts and to our minds. That life of the Word just so impacts us. We should depart with renewed passion. When we come together in expectation and faith and, and anticipation of the healing presence of God, the Word of God full of life, touching us, bringing things into order in our lives, bringing us into a, a place of assurance, then we should leave. We should depart with renewed passion and purpose. We should depart with our attitudes adjusted where need be. Issues we have left at the foot of the cross. Our hopes are restored as a result of the life of God that we've encountered in His presence. Cell life, therefore, is meant to be, number one, life-giving. Cell life is meant to be life-giving. Life-giving. Just as we believe God and we pray and we're on our faces for when we all get together, God, let your life so permeate. Lord, we're not interested in dead, cold religion. We want your life permeating every individual. Lord, we want your life transforming us, our way of thinking, our mindsets. God, we want your life to just fill us to overflowing. We want that renewing of joy. We want that restoration of hope. God, that's what we pray for. As we all gather together, the same is true in our small group. It's not just getting together and checking each other out of what you're wearing or what's, what's been happening this week. Yeah, there's some of that, but, well, maybe not what you're wearing, but, but what's happened in this past, well, there's some of that. But our real purpose of getting together is so that we can pursue, radically pursue, Growing in that life of God. Come on, coming into Christ's likeness and experiencing His presence in our midst. That's what we want. And it will be noised abroad that Jesus is in the house. 
Just as it is in the temple are the large group expression, a small group that flourishes. And we pray for Nairobi Lighthouse Church to flourish. We pray that this church will flourish, will thrive, that we will not think of all the good things that it, how it used to be. We will come and we will thrive in God's presence. And that's what we believe for. And just as we believe for that in the, in the large group, the small group we believe will flourish. And the way it flourishes is that it's, uh, uh, it, must be pro it must provide a healthy atmosphere where every person feels loved and embraced, where every person entering that house feels the love of God, they're embraced. No one hiding behind religious platitudes are feeling the need to perform in order to measure up. It should be authentic and real. It's like the gathering of good friends. Don't you love your friends? Aren't you glad you have good friends? It's like the gathering of good friends with the presence of Jesus in their midst. That's what makes the difference. A life-giving cell does not happen by chance. It happens when a caring environment is intentionally created. A caring environment is intentionally created and every person is given freedom. All persons in the group are given freedom to laugh and to cry. Come on, to connect. And each other are listening deeply to, 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 to one another. You're, they're, they're, they're learning, we're learning how to listen to one another. It is in this type of environment where discipling best takes place. And one of the greatest needs of the church of Jesus Christ in the earth is discipling. It's one of the greatest needs of the church of Jesus Christ is for its membership to be discipled. And it's in this environment that discipling takes place. It's in this kind of environment, this small group setting, when two or three, Jesus said, gather together, I will be in their midst. And it's where our values are formed and our values are lived out. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 says, if you're serious about, this is the message Bible, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. Verse 5, kill off everything connected with that old way of death, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like whenever you feel like it and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. This is what we're striving for. Secondly, 
And I finish. Cell life first is life-giving. Cell life is meant to be life-giving. Secondly, cell life is to be the place of life-given. Life-given. First, life-giving. Secondly, life-given. The life that we receive is imparted to us with a purpose, and that's to give it away. The life that we're given, the life that comes to us, that's imparted to us, it's given for a purpose, and that's to give away. Back to our opening text for just a moment. God mightily used the Apostle Paul in Ephesus because of these words to the church leaders in Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. He says, I did not hold back anything that would help you. I did not hold back anything that would help you. You see, Paul the Apostle, he entered Ephesus, and he spent three years in Ephesus. And you know what he did while he was there? He connected locally. For those three years, he connected locally. He began to link his heart with the in, the certain individuals. He began to link his heart with these leaders that he called to himself. He raised them up. How did he do that? He began to pour his life into theirs. And they, having linked up with him, they were enabled. They were discipled. They were equipped. And they were raised up to be laborers. They were raised up to be leaders. Come on, somebody. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. I want to finish with this. Notice the example of Jesus. Look at this very carefully. Jesus sent His 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them the kingdom is here. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day. Turn to somebody and tell them you are the equipment. Verse 40, we are intimately linked in this harvest work. Yes, we are intimately linked in this harvest work. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. This is a large work. I've called you into, but don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Oh, come on. This is a large work. This is a large city. Don't be overwhelmed by it. It's best to start small. Now, at Nairobi Lighthouse Church, we seek to utilize this method right here. And that is our small groups are called link cells. Link cells. In which every cell leader links up to a leader to receive care, to receive life. Life infused. They spend time together. Our up cell. That's a leadership cell. That's where our leaders receive from their leaders. And then in turn... Those who have received link down with those that he or she is caring for. Discipling, growing great men and women, 
to go out and do the same. And it's powerful. Can we give God praise and can we give God glory today? Would you stand with me, please? And let us just pray. Come on, I want us to pray for the renewal. 2021, 2021 is for us at Nairobi Lighthouse Church. It's our year of renewal. And I want us to ask God to renew us right now. I want to ask God by His Spirit to really renew our hearts, to really bring us into that place of anticipation and faith and expectation that when we come together that God His presence will be so real right throughout every small group, every link cell. The presence of God will be so evident that it will be told to those in the neighborhood, Jesus is in that house. You need healing, you need deliverance, you need freedom. It's in that house. And those that are within that house will then go out and give out to those who are in need. Come on, let's pray. Father, how our hearts are just hungry. We're hungry, Lord. We, we, we're hungry. We so desire to be renewed, God, in our hearts. Lord, to be renewed with the spirit of life. Lord, that we will arise afresh in our understanding and our embrace of our small group. Lord, we just pray that you will grant us the heart to connect once more to reconnect if need be. Lord, that you will really bring us into a place of just further understanding and readiness, God, readiness on our part. Lord, to just open our hearts once more to what you want to do within us, inside of us. Thank you, Father, for community that community developing in us, Lord, that we have a place we know where we belong. It's a sense of belonging, God. We thank you. We thank you, Father. Adjust every attitude that needs adjusting. God, work deeply in every heart and every life. Thank you for our amazing leadership. God, continue to bless and minister to every leader. We thank you for just continuing to do your work in your way. And Lord, we believe that we're bringing Jesus into our city. We're seeing Jesus in a greater measure change our lives one at a time. And we thank you and we praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, church.